great. <laughs> well, when we first uh, started meeting back in, I think it's fall '08. You know, we had you know Bible study, and then we eventually started having evening services. And I said that it's going to take more than just our resources, our plans, our gifts to make this local church what Jesus wants it to be. It has to take more than just those things. It has to be more than just those things. Do you remember what I said? Those of you who were with us back then, what did I say? Yes. Prayer. Simple, but not always easy. You see, I don't want to be a church that just prays occasionally. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a praying church. A praying church. We pray intentionally. We make prayer a priority. You see, it has to be written into the DNA of who we are as a village church. Who we are as believers. And the only way that's going to happen is that I have to be a praying pastor. I have to be a praying believer. And you have to be praying believers as well. If we're not that way in our lives, we're not going to be that way as a church either. Praying without ceasing. Praying through the peaks and valleys of life. That's what I'm talking about. One pastor says life is war. Life is war. And until you realize that, you never pray like you should. You never pray as you ought. Are you a praying believer? How do you view prayer? What's your view of prayer? Is it a cash cow that allows you to milk God for all material blessings, physical blessings? Is it your plan B for life? When your plan A fails, then I'll pray. Or is prayer just an inconvenience for your life? I'm just too busy, Alex. I I work 40 hours a week. got kids at home. I just don't have time. To pray. Where are you? You're in the right place this morning. In Matthew 6, Jesus shows us the attitude we need to have towards prayer. How we should approach it. What should be our mindset? Because if we don't pray, if we don't pray, we're not going to be the church I believe God wants us to be. This ministry, those of you who are familiar with this ministry, it would be not this if people never prayed, if they never bowed the knee and cried out to God, I can't do it, Father. Will you please send people to help? That's the prayer of a broken man. That's the prayer of a humble person crying out to Jesus constantly. If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew 6. Beginning with verse 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. 
For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need, even before you ask. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that, as I always pray, Lord, that that you will be glorified and not me. Um, I'm just a man. All of us are just people. And so I pray that, that Christ will continue to increase, Christ will be glorified, and the Spirit will bring glory to your name. I'm just a messenger. That's all. An under-shepherd to the shepherd. And so I pray, Spirit, that you will bring all of our hearts to Christ, all of our lives to Christ, not to me, not to anyone else. I'm a beggar, just like everyone else. I need a Savior, just like everybody else. So show us Jesus. Show us our need for Jesus. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, the first thing that, you know, when I was studying this passage, you know, the first thing that came to my mind when, when Jesus was talking here is that when you pray, your prayers have to be directed to something. Rightly directed to something. Not like the hypocrites. And, and, and what is a hypocrite in this passage? What is it? It's an individual, a person, who does all the right things for all the wrong reasons. That's what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. Don't be like the hypocrites who stand and pray in the synagogues. Why? So they can be seen by others. Their motives intentions are all wrong and they're blind by it they can't even see it and prayer is a good thing we gotta pray as believers but do we do it for the wrong reasons do we do it for false motives do we do it for self-seeking purposes are we like those hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues in the street corners so they can be seen by others Jesus is talking about Pharisees here. If you're familiar with the Pharisees, they were spiritual. Man, they did all the right things. They knew their theology. They did all the religious works. And most of the time they did it for self-glory, to promote themselves. It's like us. It's like you saying, I'm going to give out turkeys for Thanksgiving. I'm going to call the newspaper and the TV station too so they can watch me hand out the turkeys. Good thing but you're doing it for self-promotion. You're doing it for your own glory. A good thing for the wrong reason. Now, praying in public, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with praying in public. There's nothing wrong with praying in congregational prayer. But it's always about the attitude of my heart. Where's my heart? Where are my motives? What's my motivation? Where is it? The hypocrite is motivated by pride. And this person desires to be above others. To be seen and glorified by others. They're using prayer as a tool of self-promotion and self-glory. And they love man's praise. That's the reward. And what did Jesus say? If your reward in life, if your reward for being in ministry is to receive praises for men, you have received your reward in full. If your reason for being part of this church is so other Christians can see Look at them. They're really loving Jesus, on fire for Jesus. If that's your motivation, you have received your reward in full. 
man's praise. That's what you want. And sometimes you get it. You see, a hypocrite, this type of prayer is wrongly directed. It's directed at me. My goodness. My righteousness. Look at me, God. Look how much I love you. Look at how righteous I am. I pray three times a day. I even fast. I'm a good Christian. What about you? Where are you? There's a verse from an old hymn that says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. And when we do, we carry it in prayer for all the wrong reasons. Where are you? James says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You see, prayer, we cannot just use prayer to, as a tool to get everything I want. Bless me here, God, so I can just get more stuff, bigger stuff. God is not our ATM. He's not our cash cow. Praying for more creature comforts and ease. Only, only praying when things, you get in the jam. When I'm in a jam, then I, I call God. God, I'm in a jam. Can you get me out? Should we pray for blessings? Yes, we should pray that God would bless us. But prayer is not just that. It is not just that. You know, in Luke 18, 9 through 14, we have another example of prayer. Jesus tells a simple story. He, to, to illustrate a spiritual lesson. He tells a story about two men. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. The Pharisee, he stood by himself over here, praying to God. You know what he said to God? God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Robbers, unjust, adulterers. Even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. What kind of prayer is that? Is that you? And then you have the tax collector who, who stands far off. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his chest. And he said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. What did Jesus say? The tax collector went home justified. He says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That's true. If you exalt yourself before God, you will be humbled. I've told a lot of you the story of what happened to me when I was in college. When I became a Christian, I, I started doing all the things I needed to do. I read my Bible. I would memorize seven passages a week, one for every day. Had them all in my little box. I shared my faith every day. I even led Bible studies. I had my own D group. I, had, I was in a Bible study. I did all those things. I was a new believer. I was on fire for Jesus. But you know my motivation for doing those things? It wasn't so people could see how good God was. It was so people could see how good Alex was. Alice is knocking it out for Jesus. He's on fire for Jesus. 
He went a whole year without missing a quiet time. Oh my goodness. He's super spiritual. You know what happened to me? I burned out. I burned out. I hate rock bottom. And I went into depression. I didn't think I was a believer anymore because I couldn't no longer keep up. I no longer wanted to do those good things anymore. He who exalts himself will be humble. God humbled me. And it wasn't pretty, but it was good. He will humble you. Do you see the difference between those two prayers? Now, I know when you talk about motives and, 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 and one, thing, one question comes to mind. Can we ever have 100% pure motives in anything? That's always the question. Can I have pure motives in anything? Because of sin, probably not. But the issue is, are you aware when you don't? That's the issue. Do you know when you have impure motives? Or are you blind? The Pharisees were blind to it. They couldn't see it. They couldn't even see that what they were doing was wrong. Why? Because self-righteousness blinds you from your sin. And self-righteousness water down your prayers. It water down your prayer life if you're self-righteous. Because you don't ever pray out of need. I pray for so-and-so, you know, that family needs prayer, so I'm going to commit to praying for them. They need prayer. So-and-so needs to be here this morning because they don't pray like they should. No, you need prayer. Your family needs prayer. But are you blind to it? You see, the motive and attitude that we need to have in prayer is not perfection. It's humility. And you don't have to be perfect to be humble. You don't have to be perfect to be humble. And when I first started with working with Mark and Thor and everybody, one of the things that, that I really loved about the team was that I sensed a spirit of humility from everybody. No one was there for self-glory. No one was there to promote their own agenda. Everyone was humble before each other, and I like that. I've been around people who are motivated by other reasons. And it destroys a ministry. It destroys a church. And so I love to see leaders that are humble, who, who, who know where their source of strength comes from. Humility is just thinking about yourself less. And when you pray, that's what you're showing. I'm thinking less about myself. The tax collector said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see... It's this internal attitude of humility that Jesus talks about in the next verse. You know, when he says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father in secret, he's talking about being humble, humble of heart. The father who sees in secret will reward you. Prayer that is rightly directed is directed to God in the attitude of humility. Coming to God out of need, not out of arrogance. Coming to God in weakness, not thinking on the man, that God is lucky to have me on his team. I know my stuff. I went to seminary. I got my education. God knows he needs me. No, he doesn't. Remember, he spoke to a donkey, so <laughs> he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He chooses to use us. Prayer is not a display of glory, self-glory, but it should display your humility. You see, it's not, it's not a campaign sign, you know, using prayer as a campaign sign for self-promotion. No. You know what prayer is? 
for me is me waving at the white flag of surrender before God, saying, God, I surrender. I surrender my being to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender the welfare of my kids to you. I surrender the welfare of my family to you. I surrender the welfare of everything I have to you, Lord. When you bend your knee, that should be you. Surrendering the control of your life to God, your marriage, your kids, your money, whatever it is. Humility before God is what he wants. And one, one theologian says, prayer is communion with God. Do you feel that when you pray? Are you communion with God? Are you fellowshipping with the Father when you pray? Is that, is, does your prayer life look that way? I don't fellowship a man. If I'm driving, if I'm going for a walk, if I'm taking a shower, wherever, when I pray, I'm talking to my daddy. Do you you pray that way? We should. And you can do that in private. You can do that in public. Because it's always about the solitude of heart. David says in Psalm 51, The sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. That's what God likes. And prayer that, that is rightly directed is directed toward God in a humble heart. And when God sees you praying that way, he will reward you. And when you pray, you are saying, Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing. I need you to survive. That's what he's talking about. Humility. Second thing we see is that prayer is intentionally confident. What do you mean by that, Alex? Verses 7 and 8. He says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask. We're not to heap up empty phrases. What does that mean? You see, Gentiles here is referring to those who worship false gods, pagan gods. And, and so when they pray, they have to offer up all these different words. They've got to pretty much plead with the God to answer. Senseless babble. They're not intentional. They just, they're pretty much trying to, to, to micromanage their God, to make him come help me. That's what false gods do. You have to force their hand. But they're not really real. And so you've got to pretty much beg them to do stuff. And, 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 and the pagan, he's bewildered when he prays because he doesn't even know if he has the right God. He's bewildered. He's anxious because he doesn't even know if the God's going to answer. And he's devious. Why? Because he got to swear the God down. How long will it take me to wear this God down before he answers my prayer? See, those who worship false gods cannot be intentionally confident when they pray because they're uncertain that the God is going to come. They're, they're not dependable. So a lot of us, we don't have little idols in the house, but we do have things, other things that we worship, other things that we place our security in, stuff, money, whatever. What's your source of dependency? Is the question. You see, faith and prayer... It's dependent upon the source. And this is what I mean by that. The source of your faith makes all the difference. And, your, and who you pray to makes all the difference. If, I, if my faith is in this, 
I'm trusting this for my salvation. This is going to get me to heaven. This little table here. Is that a good source? Is this really going to save me from my sins? No. It's not. So whatever faith I have in this thing is useless. It's worthless. Because it can't save me. It didn't die for me. If I'm praying to, to, to this to save me, my prayers are not heard. It's worthless. And so for us as Christians, we've got to realize that the source that we pray to is God. The source of our faith, Jesus. And because of that, it makes all the difference for us. We can be intentionally confident when we pray because of the source that we pray to. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're dealing with. You can be confident that your prayers are heard. That they're not falling on dead ears. You see, if you read um, 1 Kings 18, I love this because you have the prophet Elijah going against the prophets of Baal. It's, it's a beautiful, it could be a movie almost. And, and I want to read this. And, and listen, listen carefully to, you, to what God does here. The God who is real than the God who is not real. Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? How long? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow Baal. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only... The only prophet left, but Baal prophets were 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood and put it on the fire. And I will prepare another bull and lay it on the wood as well. You can call upon the name of your God, and I'll call upon the name of my God. And the God who answers by fire is the true God. All the people answered, it is well. Let's do it. I'm paraphrasing there. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull. Prepare it. So they did.
I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, that these people may know, O Lord, you are God, and you have turned their hearts back, and the fire of the Lord failed, consumed the burnt offering of wood and stones and vessels, and lifted up all the water from the trench, and all the people saw it, and they fell to their faces and said, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. That God from Mount Carmel is your God. Your God. Who answered prayer in the Old Testament, answered prayer in the New Testament, and is still answering prayer in 2010 for his people. That God is your Father, and he hears your prayer when you call. Prayer is always dependent on who he is, not how good we are, not how confident we are in him. He is always good, always faithful, and always on time. He says in verse 8, Do not be like the Gentiles, for the Father knows what you need. So, believe you don't have to have mechanical be fancy when you pray. You don't have to write your prayers out. You don't have to be mechanical about your prayer life. You see, God knows what we need before you ask. But you can be intentionally confident. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Father knows what you need before you ask. And you can be intentionally confident in your prayer life because you know your Father in heaven hears your every prayer. And that's good news. That should motivate all of you to pray. That should change my prayer life. I can be confident when I come. You can have assurance that you are answered. Even when he answers you no, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It means he has something better in store for you. He knows what you need. He gives you what you need. Not everything you want. And so, this is dependency. definition of a prayer is that it's humility before God and it's dependency on God. That's prayer. It's humility and dependency. 
raise money. Thank you. 